your seats. We have this as Ambassador's Roundtable. So all of you who uh, wanted to go in the Foreign Service and become an ambassador, here's what they look like after a little while. There. <laughs> Uh, all of them hold this uh, particular distinct rank, with one exception, and that's the chair of this meeting. And he has pride of place in terms of his long-standing involvement with Chevron Corporation. And Chevron uh, was the, the progeny of Standard Oil of California, which was the initial concessionaire. Uh, Peter Robinson is the co-chair of the U.S. Saudi Arabian Business Council. He served for seven years, 2002 to 2009, as chairman of uh, Chevron Corporations, vice chairman of uh, Chevron Corporations, and board of directors, Peter Robinson, Ben Robert. Did you get that, Peter Ben Robert? <laughs> okay, that's the, wasn't that what you said? Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for the opportunity to be here with this, in this distinguished company. Uh, I, I know uh, it was said that I was uh, vice chairman of Chevron. That was my old life. In this current life, I'm uh, pretty busy, but one of the things that I do that I'm really proud of is co-chair of the U.S.-Saudi Arabian Business Council. And uh, I'm co-chair because we have a uh, Saudi co-chair as well in Riyadh. But our business council has about 330 uh, Saudi and American companies uh, as members. And our business or our mission is to promote investment and trade between the two countries, uh, uh, the United States and Saudi Arabia. So if I stray into business uh, jargon, that's because that's what I do. Um, sort of a tribute to John Duke Anthony and, and this organization, uh, we had a plan A and a plan B uh, in terms of who was going to be here because uh, <laughs> certainly Ambassador Jaber is, uh, you know, any given day can be in Riyadh or he can be here in, in, in Washington. And so we did have a plan A and plan B. What we have here is Plan A and B, and, uh, which is uh, a pretty impressive group of six, uh, either former ambassadors from the U.S. to Saudi Arabia or the, the current ambassador from Saudi Arabia to the U.S. So we've got 30 minutes, and uh, I'm not quite sure how this is going to work. But what, what I plan to do is Ambassador Al-Jaber is going to speak first, and then uh, Ambassador James Smith who's the U U.S. ambassador to Saudi Arabia, is going to speak. And then we're going to open up for questions, and the others are going to be part of a panel, and, and we'll, we'll speak if, you know, when they see an opportunity. Adel al-Jaber is ambassador of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia to the United States since 2007, and advisor at the Royal Court. He's got degrees from Texas and Georgetown, and has a distinguished career in his country's service, including as foreign, foreign affairs advisor to King Abdullah. And so and James Smith is Ambassador of the United States to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And before his appointment this year, General Smith has had his distinguished career in the U.S. Air Force, including serving as Deputy Commander of the Joint Warfighting Center, and then previously at Raytheon and Lockheed Martin. So, Ambassador Algebra, perhaps you could uh, make some comments first of all, and then we'll go to Ambassador Smith. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Peter. I think I have, uh, I was thinking about how we can get through the program with uh, the distinguished panel we have. We have three options. We can speak fast, we can say very little, or we can do both. Um, so I, I want to start off by saying uh, thank you to John Duke Anthony and the National Council for hosting this wonderful event. Uh, thank you, Peter, for the uh, kind introduction, and also thank you to my uh, colleagues, the former U.S. ambassadors to Saudi Arabia. I'm humbled to be speaking with such distinguished uh, individuals at the podium with me. 
Um, I'll try to make my remarks brief, and I'll try to speak not too quickly. Um, the relationship between our two countries is a historic one. Uh, last year, we celebrated the 75th anniversary of formal ties between the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and the U.S. Our relationship began in the 30s with the discovery of oil and on a commercial basis. It evolved in the 40s with the, meeting, the first meeting between our two heads of state, the late King Abdelaziz and the late Franklin Delano Roosevelt at the, uh, uh, on the USS Quincy in the Great Bitter Lake in Egypt. The, the relationship took on a military dimension in the 1950s when the U.S., foreign military sales program to Saudi Arabia was first established. Um, when we look at the history of our relationship, we see that with every passing decade, the relationship grows broader and deeper and stronger, and it becomes more multifaceted. And if you allow me now to skip to the present, when I look at our, our relationship today, we have uh, tremendously strong ties in counterterrorism and terror financing. We have very strong commercial investment ties. We have very strong political ties. Um, we have institutional links between our two countries that have, uh, in a way that has not existed in the past. We have, we look at the numbers because, as Ronald Reagan used to say, facts are stubborn things. And I think when we look at the numbers um, in terms of investment and trade, in terms of visitors to Saudi Arabia by the U.S. or, or visitors to the U.S. from Saudi Arabia, the numbers are at historic highs. Uh, the number of students in the uh, Saudi students in the U.S is in excess of 21,000 as we speak and growing, uh, which is also a testament to the uh, strength of the relationship and to the fact that it is these young men and women who will carry the relationship forward over the next three or four decades. Um, when we look at the interests that we have uh, in the region, when we look at uh, the challenges we, we face in Pakistan, Afghanistan, with Iran's nuclear program, in Iraq, in Lebanon, in between the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, in Yemen, uh, in the Horn of Africa, in Sudan, um, when we look at the challenges we face involving piracy or terrorism, uh, financial crisis, energy situation, and trade and investment, I believe that our, the interests of our two countries today, at this moment, um, are as aligned as they have never been before. Uh, we speak to each other frankly, we consult with each other intensely, um, and we try to uh, engage others in this dialogue in order to resolve problems. Um, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia has a history of trying to seek stability and security and peace in our region and in the world. It was the um, uh, King Abdullah's then Crown Prince uh, peace, peace Initiative that became the Arab Peace Initiative in, at the Beirut Summit in 2002 that set the stage for a resolution of the Arab-Israeli conflict. I believe uh, that today there is a unanimous view that the Arab Peace Initiative is the basis upon which the Israeli-Palestinian conflict will be resolved, God willing. We appreciate and, and thank the Obama administration for its early and robust engagement in trying to resolve the Arab-Israeli conflict, and we look forward to working with it in, in moving it forward and putting an end to this long-standing tragic conflict. Um, when we look at the issue of combating extremism. The Kingdom of Saudi Arabia has been on the forefront of countries trying to deal with the uh, or counter the mindset uh, of extremism that tries to hijack uh, a noble faith and, and encourage people to use it to justify violence. Our religious scholars have taken very strong and public positions uh, to counter this radicalism, and it has had an impact, we believe, and will continue to have an impact, God willing, on trying to uh, eliminate this mindset from our midst. The uh, uh, custodian of the two holy mosques launched an interfaith uh, dialogue that involved different uh, religions and, and cultures in order to use the universal values that are enshrined in all religions uh, to promote 
uh, understanding and to promote coexistence and to promote peace because at the end of the day, uh, the universal values enshrined in all faiths are, are very similar. They have to do with compassion, with mercy, with peace. They have to do with coexistence, uh, being honest, uh, taking care of the needy. And it is an attempt to try to use those universal values in order to build bridges between different people on our little planet um, rather than use religion in order to be divisive. Um, the university, the King Abdullah University of Science and Technology, which is a major research university that was recently inaugurated in Saudi Arabia, is also another attempt to build bridges with the rest of the world. It's an institution whose students and faculty hail from almost 60 countries. Um, it is an open research facility. It is connected to uh, a, a large number of distinguished universities and research institutions around the world with which uh, it shares research and it shares professors and it shares students. And it's another way to connect with the rest of the world, which is in line with the, the kingdom's vision of uh, trying to build bridges in order to, to promote peace and stability and security. Um, to go back to where I started, I think when we look back at the 75 years in which our two countries have had formal ties, I believe that the relationship today um, is very strong, and I'm uh, hopeful that the relationship, God willing, will continue to grow stronger uh, for the benefit of both of our countries. And uh, on a, on, before I stop, I want to say that I hope I haven't spoken too fast or too long. Uh, thank you for this opportunity. I look forward to your questions. Well, I'm the new guy. I know that because I'm still an optimist. I want to thank uh, Dr. Anthony for the uh, opportunity to uh, come meet you. Uh, I've been at post a month. I flew in Tuesday night. I'm leaving on the 10 o'clock tonight. It is getting very close to my bedtime, uh, but we'll, we'll get through this. Um, I was particularly intrigued with the theme of the conference, Fresh Visions, Old Realities, and New Possibilities. Because in the uh, run-up to uh, going to post, I had about three or four months of study time. And in that time, I had consultations with all of the previous ambassadors going back to about 1988, uh, including Ford Fraker, who's not here. And I've got to tell you, I have great respect for this group of gentlemen to my left. They were generous both with their time, their thoughts, and their ideas. And one thing that I found was very intriguing is that each of them was there at a unique time. Uh, because over the last 15 years, every two to three years has marked kind of a, an era of its own. So I'm going to limit my comments this morning to defining what I see this era like that I am stepping into. And the first thing I would tell you, it is not 2001, it is not 2003, and it is not 2004. So as an American, if you formed an opinion about Saudi Arabia or Saudis, in the aftermath of 9-11, it's time to rethink your position. As a and as a Saudi, if you formed an opinion about the United States and Americans in the aftermath of that, it is time to rethink your opinion. That was eight years ago. 
Ours is an era of hope and expectation. Uh, Admiral Fallon, I think, was spot on when he defined uh, the uh, window of opportunity created by President Obama. Um, it's also a window of opportunity created by His Majesty King Abdullah, who led the uh, Arab Peace Initiative, the uh, Interfaith Dialogue, a whole range of modernization initiatives culminating with the inauguration of CAST. And if you were not there last month, you missed something because it was stunning. Uh, not just the, the optics, but the image of what this represents as a top-end graduate degree granting institution in Saudi Arabia. But it's an era of hope and opportunity. Um, President Obama, probably the only person in the world that could have gone to Cairo and given that speech. And he went through one by one the geostrategic challenges of the day, and I would tell you that for most every challenge facing this nation, there is a crossroads in Riyadh that we have to use and think of the words that our president used, which were listen, respect, trust, because this is a much more nuanced, complicated, and I would argue more important relationship than it has ever been in the past. But some would say it's just a speech. You've got to deliver on the promise of Cairo. And whose responsibility is that? It is mine. And it's yours. And I say yours because as you come to visit me, uh, as a businessman, as an educator, or as a, a think tank individual, I will share that responsibility with you. Because if you're trying to work a business opportunity, I will describe the king's vision of where he's trying to take this economy and create jobs, and we will help solve his problem as we're trying to build the relationships between our two peoples. And I will share that responsibility with you. And together, we will figure out how to deliver on the promise of Cairo. But there are some unique challenges that we face in the diplomatic presence in Saudi Arabia. And it's the byproduct of what happens when you spend eight years building walls. Because we have been building walls since 9-11, physical walls. Uh, we have, uh, Saudi has been an unaccompanied post now for five years. So you come on one-year rotations. Mm -hmm. So it takes you four months to learn your job, and you do it for six months, and then you rotate. And, and, and you continue to build walls and fences and wires. And where you were there to represent the American people to the people of Saudi Arabia, you find yourself migrating into only three cities. And in fact, you migrate into single buildings in individual cities instead of out everywhere. And actually, it's worse than that because of the single-year rotation policy. You end up migrating into single sections of individual buildings in three cities. 
we have got to figure out how to start taking down walls. I see my biggest challenge over the next two years is how to figure out developing friendships without fences, relationships without barriers, even if you can't change the physical dynamic, we have got to get out and represent the American people to the people of Saudi Arabia. And I would argue that this description of our diplomatic presence is a microcosm of the relationship between our people. And until we increase the number of students going back and forth, increase the number of businessmen forming relationships, increase in the trade missions, then you will have people who formed an opinion in 2001 and it hasn't changed and it is wrong. Thank you. Well, thank you to both of you. I, I have um, asked each of the other four uh, ambassadors on the, on the stage here to say a couple of sentences. And let me just introduce them very quickly. Walter Cutler, going from, from my left across, Walter Cutler served as U.S. Ambassador in Riyadh from 1984 to 1989. Uh, Chas Freeman uh, from 1989 to 92. Uh, James Oberwetter from 04 to 07 and Bob Jordan from 02 to 03. So they were all you know, very different, some before the time period that was just discussed, some after and some during. Uh, but they all have uh, different insights and, and something quickly to say, and then we'll go to the Q&A. Ambassador Cutler. Thank you. I just wanted to uh, scotch a rumor here. Uh, Ambassador Al-Jaber mentioned the meeting between Roosevelt and King Abdulaziz in 1945. I just want to tell you, I was not there. <laughs> I may be the, I, you may be the new guy in the block. I'm the old guy in the block. Very quickly, the word, and it's come up here a number of times, dialogue. Dialogue and engagement. And uh, I entirely agree with you. You have to keep in touch, as so many of you here do, quite regularly, with the kingdom to see how the changes are taking place. I go back every two years, thank God, because the stereotypes of a few years ago, particularly after 9-11, uh, have so radically changed and, uh, and, and for the good. Let me just say dialogue, all the kinds of exchanges. What King Abdullah is doing, dialogue within the kingdom. What, uh, what we are doing with strategic dialogue between our two countries, which goes on. All of that is really what I think gives me confidence in not only the present, but the future of the relationship. And one last thing, you mentioned 21,000 Saudi students in this country. Think of that. Think of how many there were right after 9-11. And uh, it's so important to have, have them coming to our country. All we need now is more of American students going to the kingdom and, uh, and uh, others. Americans going to the kingdom. And John, Duke Anthony, I congratulate you for keeping up that flow of, uh, of educators and others. It's so important. Thank you. Ambassador Freeman. Uh, the late uh, Arthur Goldberg, when he was ambassador to the UN, observed that uh, diplomats approach every issue with an open mouth. Um, and I'll get my chance to do that tomorrow. Uh, so I'm going to yield the balance of my time 
uh, to diplomats uh, with uh, only remarking this, that uh, I am now a businessman and thanks to all the free advertising I got earlier this year, my business in the Middle East is prospering. <laughs> Ambassador Oberwetter. I'm glad to hear that, uh, Charles. I think the focus on education, that's the remarks I want to make. As Ambassador Cutler has pointed out, and Ambassador Al-Jabir. When I arrived after 9-11, I got there in 04, there were about 3,000 Saudi students left in the United States. And you've heard the number today of 21,000 Saudis back because of agreements between our two countries that allow for this exchange of students. And the king of the kingdom should be heartily commended for what he has done in providing scholarships to his students to come not only to the United States, but to other countries around the world and, and to become exposed to our systems of government. As Walt said, now it's time for us to begin the exchange in the other way. But the focus with KAUST, what the King is doing, nothing is of in greater importance to the relationships between our two countries than the focus on education. Thank you. Ambassador Jordan? I would simply say briefly that actions speak louder than words. Uh, I was very impressed with President Obama's speech in Cairo. It was actually in Dubai when he gave it. But I got to, be, got to thinking that uh, most of the words he spoke were exactly the same words that George W. Bush spoke. And the difference in what will be the proof of the pudding is what is the action that is undertaken in both contexts. Uh, we have a unique opportunity at this moment, uh, and I think it needs to be seized. King Abdullah is a great example of actions speaking louder than words. Uh, he is uh, on airplanes constantly. He is engaging in shuttle diplomacy. And in the midst of the opening of this grand new university, Kaust, uh, there was a very popular imam in Saudi Arabia who was critical of the mixing of men and women uh, on the campus. Uh, this is sort of like uh, Pat Robertson or Billy Graham saying something like this. Uh, the king fired him. And it's like a president firing Billy Graham or Pat Robertson. Uh, King Abdullah has made things happen. He continues to make things happen. And I think we need to applaud him for that. <clears throat> well, we've got uh, time for a couple of questions. I, I'm going to take the prerogative of, uh, that I get from being here and ask the first question. And uh, as I mentioned, I'm sort of about business. So it relates to business between the two countries. Um, you know, the World Bank put out a report here recently that, uh, you know, ranks countries by who's the, which is the best country, the ease of doing business in various countries. And, uh, you know, everybody would, you know, you might expect, or you might have preconceived ideas, talk about preconceived ideas as to who would be where on this list. The U.S. certainly wasn't number one, but it's, I think it was in the top three or four. Uh, and uh, I think a lot of preconceptions might have Saudi Arabia quite a long way down the list. Saudi Arabia was number 13 in the world in terms of countries' uh, ease of doing business. Now, that's the good news. That, you know, the bad news is in the details, there were some things that were very, very good and were number one in a bunch of areas. And there were some areas where it wasn't very good. I'm not going to disclose what those were. But I, I really was going to ask the question uh, to the panelists uh, 
you know, what, what are the strengths and what are the weaknesses in our business relationships and what can we do in the business community to, I mean, we're doing a lot, a lot going on, but there's a heck of a lot more needs to be done. So what can we do to enhance these business relationships between the two countries? Because I'm a believer that those kinds of relationships are the things that uh, lead or can lead uh, to people understanding each other better and to people getting on with each other a lot better and to, uh, frankly, uh, all the things that we want in life uh, in terms of peace and prosperity. Maybe Ambassador Jaber, maybe I can throw it at you. I think uh, our objective is to be among the top 10 most competitive economies by the end of 2010 and God, hope, hopefully and God willing we'll be able to succeed. I think the, uh, the um, economic reforms that took place in Saudi Arabia over the last 10, 12 years, uh, including in particular Saudi Arabia's accession to the World Trade Organization, mm -hmm. have uh, radically and positively changed the business environment in the kingdom. Uh, new commercial laws were introduced, new commercial courts, new regulations, lower taxes, uh, more attractions to foreign investors in the kingdom. Um, all of this put together uh, led to an increase, a tremendous increase in the confidence of foreign investors in the Saudi economy and in the ease in w with which foreign uh, investors can enter the Saudi market and compete. And the, ki the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia is one of the top 20 economies in the world. Um, it's a very competitive market and a very open market. So you put the two together and you have a, and what you see is a, a, a tremendous uh, increase in the percentage of foreign investment, direct foreign investment in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. You see it with American companies, you see it with European companies. Uh, all uh, the, the, everything is essentially running on all cylinders. And uh, while somebody used the, the, the example of the proof of the pudding is in the eating, well, the proof of the success of these economic reforms is in the reaction generated from investors, both Saudi and foreign investors, who have flocked to Saudi Arabia to invest. More areas of the Saudi economy were opened up for foreign investment and local investment, and people took advantage of it, whether it's the gas sector, whether it's petrochemicals. Um, virtually almost every aspect of our economy is open uh, for doing business. Now, those are all the positive ones. Why do I think uh, uh, the, this tremendous increase and this tremendous momentum, um, how, it, how can we make it even stronger? I think a number of these issues go back to the uh, perception of stability or instability. There was the, the threat of violence and terrorism. The Kingdom of Saudi Arabia waged a tremendous battle against terrorists beginning uh, after 9-11, and in particular after the Riyadh bombings in 2003, um, we, have, we, have, we, we have the terrorists and the, on the run. Our security forces are succeeding. They're also succeeding in combating the mindset. And I think that will also help reassure foreign investors even more. Um, simple things like uh, travel advisories. Um, that portray Saudi Arabia as a, as a very mm -hmm. unstable country or a potentially dangerous country have the effect of turning off potential, uh, some potential foreign investors. I don't say this to be critical of the U.S. Uh, because it is entirely uh, the U.S. prerogative to determine how it assesses uh, uh, stability or how it assesses security in a particular country, and that's not an area um, that we will, would, that we are in any position to criticize the U.S. for, just like we will not accept criticism from others about what we do in order to protect the security of our citizens. But I think that's one part of it. The visa situation we've resolved thanks to the, to the hard work uh, of officials in both governments, and here I would like uh, to uh, thank uh, um, Ambassador uh, Ford Fraker and before him Ambassador Ambassadors Oberwetter and Jordan for working on uh, 
reaching agreement on five-year multiple entry visas for citizens of our two countries, uh, whether the Americans go to Saudi Arabia or Saudis come to the US, that also has made doing business easier. But I go back to, can it be made better? Can we have more investment? Probably. I think a lot of it is now uh, related to psychology and perception rather than laws, rules, regulations, and realities. I think that's true, and I, I think a lot of what you said, though, is still a fairly well-kept secret in the United States, so maybe Ambassador Smith, I mean, what, what can we do here? I think a lot of this issue is in the United States. What can we do here uh, to well, improve the situation? Because there aren't very many politicians that are willing to stand up and talk in public about Saudi Arabia and all the positives, U.S. politicians. Well, my message was we need to move beyond um, a bunker mentality. and. And that goes to business. I don't have to tell anybody that's on this list uh, behind me about the importance of doing business in Saudi Arabia. You've been doing it for a long, long time, and most of you didn't come home eight years ago. Uh, I saw a number two days ago uh, that quoted $18.75 billion is the amount of revenue that could be coming to the United States if, in fact, American businessmen were engaged but it's finding its way east. Uh, we're not there. We're on the sidelines. Uh, not, again, not this group, but uh, medium, small business on the sideline, kind of waiting to see what's going to happen in Saudi Arabia. Well, it is happening. It is happening. A sound economy. Biggest thing, best thing I think that happened to them is G20 and everything that they had to go through to transform an economy uh, for uh, inclusion in, into the G20. And now we're going through, and uh, even the harshest critics say they're doing a marvelous job of getting their arms around IP. Uh, and with CAS, they're going to be developing their own intellectual property. It then feeds itself. It's a positive thing. But it's an American business and industry that can bring the kinds of training and education that they desperately need to mature an entrepreneurial class to be able to grow this non-energy uh, uh, economy that they need for balance. Uh, it's, it's all about jobs, and it's a global economy, and think about a job here and a job there. This is not rocket science. And you've got an amazing number of very successful business women who are succeeding beyond description. Now, how do you go in and tap that individual, connect them with the global economy, celebrate that success? These are the sorts of things that we need to do to help both us and the Saudis in their modernization. We need to get off the sidelines. You mentioned Saudi women. What, the percentage of Saudi women in universities in Saudi Arabia is? 55% of the college graduates last year were women. There are 21,000 uh, uh, Saudi students in the United States today. A quarter of them are women. Women are making A's, and the guys are making C's. <laughs> Objection. I have to stand up for the Saudi guys, I think. <laughs> of the 21,500 uh, Saudi students we have in the United States, approximately a quarter are women. Uh, all of them, both, both men and women, are doing a tremendous job. They're focusing on the sciences, on technology, uh, in ways that my generation didn't. Um, 
but I think I'm, I'm very, very proud of each and every single one of them, and I wish all of them success. Well, I, th I think we're going to, I think we're going to end on that. Uh, but I just think somebody was so one of the panelists mentioned that we all have a responsibility here, and I think we all do have a responsibility, at least in the United States, to talk about some of this and to talk about some of these statistics. And it's not to say that all is uh, perfect in either country, frankly. Uh, and it's not to say that, uh, you know, that, um, that everybody has the same opportunity. But the opportunity for us to bring this situation into a little more balance from the perspective that the ambassador was talking about, the views in the US, I think it's up to us to get the word out and talk about, about this relationship and talk about what's positive as opposed to what's negative. So I think you've heard a lot of positives today. And I appreciate your attention. And I'll turn it back to the great Dr. John Duke Anthony. Thank you. Join me, please, in thanking the chairman, all of the ambassadors, the incumbent.